Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio. This is Tower and I'm here with the Watchman and we are glad you joined us. Please send all your prayer requests and correspondence to us through our contact page on warn-usa.com. You can find Warned Radio on USA.life, MeWe, Parlor, CloudHub, Tumblr, Pure Social, Spreely, and Linktree. On warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com, you can find the shows for listening and downloading. And you can also find Warn Radio on the following website streamers. Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warn Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcast, Anchor, Deezer, Podchaser, and Verbal. And don't miss these posts on warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. Cross-Contaminating Christ's Gospel. This represents the work of unbelief and spiritual discernment. We can see this clearly in the scripture. If we look at the Jews in Jesus' day, one thing stands out. Also, light shining in the darkness. Light shines into the darkness, but how great is that darkness? And how great is thy light, which shines upon the darkened hearts of men? And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It will be that many shall hate, betray one another, and be offended. But this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And America's Faithful Wise Political Servants America's faithful, who are the wise among us, in our churches, political debates, and in life, who are these people? I remember this moment in time when we saw the true division, hate, and political division of America. And on warn-usa.com, Colossians, Centricity of Christ Classic Series. In this we find the centricity of Christ, that being centered in Christ Jesus, leading us to the Father and our God as paramount. And I want to announce the book, The Rising by the Watchman. It's out now. And you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart, Google Play, Angus and & Robertson, and many more. And any bookstore can order it for you. And this, The Rising, is a Christian fiction thriller. When he who opposes rises, believers overcome by faith. We introduce a former black ops sniper named Mac he is hardcore and one of the best at what he does. His work is secretive, elusive, and necessary, but he wanted out. And that's The Rising by the Watchman, Dana G. Smith, so check it out. And be sure to sign up for the WIBR Warren Radio Newsletter by going to danaglinsmith.com. And you can also visit our Christian Books and Resource Shop. And now I welcome in the Watchman. You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com and also follow us on Twitter find us on Instagram and join us on LinkedIn Greetings Dana, how are you doing tonight? 
Well, now that it's uh, June in the summer, doing pretty good. <laughs> I think you're delusional. <laughs> yeah, I know it's January, but I thought if I was positive. Yeah, well, we don't want time to go by that fast. It's already the middle of the month. Okay, we'll just, like, think positive that it's uh, April or something. And the weather hasn't been bad either. No, but there's a big storm heading east. That's it's going to be... I mean, I for our area, we haven't had it bad. No. But they've got a big storm. Uh, That's not good. It'll be hitting the Dakotas and up north, you know, in parts of Wyoming. But uh, mainly it's going to be from the Dakotas That's... over. And then it's going to go down south. And they're going to have ice. Oh, and, yeah. That won't be good. Yeah, it, it it can be a mess. Yes, it can. So at any rate, we're here. And uh, it is January the 13th. It's been a while since we've been with you because of various reasons. We normally take a little uh, Christmas break in there because we're getting ready for the new year. And uh, a lot of things have to be taken care of. And then we had a few other things that came up that... Uh, we could do nothing about. So at any rate, we're here today. We're back with Isaiah. Yes, we're on part 116. My servant Isaiah's prophetic book arrives with an important detailed description of the coming Messiah. The Messiah is called in righteousness and will be the covenant of the people. In addition, he is the light to the Gentiles. So that sounds very interesting tonight. Well, it is. exciting to hear. And this, you know, when you're reading this section, um, you're definitely going to have uh, a number of people with different uh, opinions. Yep. Uh, because of the fact when we talk about my servant, when we talk about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but it's interesting stuff. It's stuff that, uh, uh, as far as the Gentiles go, a lot of these scriptures, uh, we use these in reference to Yahshua, Jesus Christ. Um, there's just no doubt about it. And so we're, we will be discussing that. We left off in uh, chapter 11. And uh, not chapter 11, but chapter 41. And we finished chapter 41, so now we're going to be in uh, chapter 42. And uh, that's really where we're going to be going through here. So, if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Okay, we'll see you on the other side. Yep. So, chapter 42. Now, let's go to this. The first verse, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now, we're going to be discussing this, and it, it is interesting when you look at a lot of this. Now, we've been talking about Judah, and uh, we went through the Assyrian issue. And Judah was delivered. And we covered the prophecies of Isaiah concerning uh, going into bondage in uh, Babylon. We went through the scriptures talking about the deliverance of Judah after 70 years from bondage. And we've talked about Cyrus. And Cyrus is his anointed, his chosen as Jehovah's instrument uh, for inflicting judgment and for delivering his people from Babylon. And there's no way you're going to take away from that. That's what he is. But when we get into this section, we, we have a whole different concept here 
although the, there's a, a lot of uh, issues. We're not going to go into all the issues of all the people and the different things that they believe that this is because of the context that we're going through. It's self-evident. But at any rate, and so the servant of God If you go into and you're looking at this, you have a servant of God in on the one hand, where you can look at Cyrus f- for deliverance from Babylon. But you can also look through this and you can find Yahshua or Jesus Christ prophetically addressed in the future. And Yahshua is his elect. He will appear in humility. He will not fail. He's not going to be discouraged. He will set judgment in the earth, and the isles of the Gentiles shall receive his law. Now, when we look at Isaiah 41, it says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, who I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. And so... This talks about Israel being his servant. So the Lord does have a lot of servants. He has a lot of things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, individuals here, we can look at Cyrus. We can look at Israel as a servant. Israel, of course, sinned. And they went into captivity. And it was another servant by the name of Cyrus who got him out of it. That's what God called him for. And so Israel, my servant... Israel, of course, is, is and this is in Isaiah 41.8. And it says, are my servant. And that is the descriptive of it. Uh, that describes Israel. Referring to Israel, the whole nation being his servant. Coming from Jacob, whom he has chosen. Jacob, from the line of Isaac. Isaac from the seed of Abraham. And so you can see the tracing of this in Isaiah back through the entire line here. Because the Lord isn't going to throw Israel out, not even today. But yet, you know, you can clearly see Israel being back in the land and being blessed. And they're always going to have enemies. Just like, as believers, we have enemies. Now, when we look in Isaiah 42, the first little descriptive here is, Behold my servant. Now, he is not talking here specifically about Israel. Because when you look at the description, the context of it, this has an individuality, features. Um, The whole thing personifies or represents this messianic figure which is to come. And not only is he going to go to the Jews... And, of course, when you get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, you you get into the Gospels especially, uh, you know, we have John describing it in the first Gospel that he went to his own and his own received him not. But to as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And you find that the Lord did uh, um, many miracles, for instance, the feeding of the 5,000. And 
of course, the people that were there at the time after the miracle, they wanted to make him king. And the Lord moved away from them because that's what they were going to do. He wasn't there to be their king. Not that kind of a physical king. And so in this whole passage, it eventually gets to the other side of the sea where um, he winds up. And the people follow, finally follow him, and they found him there. And they said, why have you come here like this? And he says, you're only following me because you did eat of the bread. You know, you see, he is the bread of life. And that bread sustenance, yeah, you ate, you're just here for that. Well, that whole section leads to a point where the Jews end up leaving him because he gets into some really detail of who he is. It's where he gets into, if you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you know, and so they stop following him. But when the Lord sees, for instance, the Samaritan woman and talks to her, she talks about the Messiah. He gets into it with her and talks to her. And she talks about the Messiah. And he ends up telling her everything and, uh, you know, about herself, prophesying, telling her. And she goes around her countryside, uh, you know, telling people that come meet the Messiah, the man who told me everything that I've ever done, you know. So they willingly accepted the Lord in in that area where the Samaritan woman was. And so this is a prime example of the Messiah when he was here. And so when we get into this, this is the kind of exposure and the prophetic impetus that we're looking at. Behold my servant. He's not talking about Cyrus. Cyrus did what he was appointed to do. But Cyrus is not going to be filled with the spirit of Jehovah. He is not going to be the future Messiah. He is not going to do a lot of these things. This is personalized. They're not talking about Judah either or, or Israel. They're talking about a specific servant, a prophetic figure here. And it says, whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now, see, Cyrus did bring judgment to the Gentiles, but physical judgment. But, see, Yahshua brought judgment in that he brought down the devil. He made a way for people to come to the Father through him. And he made a way for people to be redeemed and live above the lusts of the flesh. And so, I have endowed him with my spirit, and by virtue of this spirit, he will carry out mishpah, that is, absolute and divine right, beyond the circle in which he himself, meaning the Messiah, is found. He... He's going to go way beyond the bounds of Israel at that time, or the Roman Empire, way beyond it. Far away to the Gentiles, the farthest isles. And that word, mishpah, is employed to denote true religion, um, on a practical side, as a rule and authority for life and all its in all its relations. Now that's what Kyle and Delish describes as the law of life. Now, see when we look at the Bible, which talks about Yahshua, Jesus, it is the rule of thumb, the rule for all faith and practice regarding Christians in adherence to the life of Christ. Now, Albert Barnes goes so much to um, 
to say this, I shall regard the passage as applicable to him, meaning the Messiah, and him alone. Suppose that the designs of the Spirit here in introducing this reverence to the Messiah is to comfort the hearts of the exiled Jews with the assurance that they must be restored to their own land because it was from them that the Messiah was to proceed and from them that the true religion was to be spread around the world. Now see, this is a very important part. See, Judah went into captivity. Well, so did the northern tribes. They actually got carried away. But see, the promise of the Messiah wasn't going to come through the northern tribes. It was coming through Judah. And so if you send Judah into captivity and never get him back, then there wouldn't have been a Messiah. There wouldn't have been a place for him. So they had to go into this captivity. God had described it. God had, had said that it would happen. But he's got to bring them back out of that. So the line of the Messiah we call the scarlet line of redemption, which flows through Judah, can be completed so he can finally get born, in this case, born of Mary, and brought up as a carpenter's son, but he's the son of God. And so... This whole thing relates that, and of course he makes a point here that being the Jews, the Jews knew about the consolation of Israel. Now a consolation here of Israel is a phrase because Judah did get sent into captivity. Israel, the whole, both tribes, uh, I mean both houses got sent into captivity or judged. And so there's a consolation there. It's like, well, if you are you know, uh, the nation that God picked. And if he is the God of Israel, how can you guys go into judgment like that? How can you turn away from him? So the consolation is this. There we're looking for the consolation to make up for this, uh, what had happened to them to bring them back into their kingdom, reestablish what they were doing. Remember what the apostles asked the Lord. You can get into Matthew 24 in that section in there. They said, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not up to you to know the times the Father set in his hands. No, it wasn't time because it's, he's not just going to set up the kingdom of Israel, he's going to set up Israel, spiritual Israel. As Paul said, you know, Israel is not just Israel. Because now, and if you get into Romans, I think the, the 11th chapter, we, Paul goes into that and talks about that relationship between the Gentiles who know Yahshua and the Jews who have yet to come to Yahshua. And the Jews were grafted, were in as uh, into everything, into that line, the vine. And uh, then they were taken off of that. And the Gentiles were never attached to that. And then through Yahshua, they were. So he goes through this whole thing describing that relationship and how eventually that the Jews would come to know the Messiah. So a lot of this that I'm giving you is background or, you know, things that preceded all of this. Because this, these are some of the scriptures, you know, that describe his operations. It, it describes who he is. In, in verse 2, it says of uh, chapter 42, He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Now, he has a divine call, and he's the Messiah. But when he teaches, like the Sermon on the Mount, or various other places where he talks to them, he's not screaming and shouting. But... He's walking around Israel and he's bringing bringing something divine. 
And so this Messiah is certain of his divine call. He knows what he's there for. And he's he's the opposite of being like the lying teachers and those within the Roman kingdom who were Jews that, you know, and we know of them from reading in the Gospels, they would openly fast where everybody would see them. They were, you know, they themselves, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, you know, all had outward show of their faith and their religion. When they were fasting, you knew it and things like this. And so the people classified them as, you know, they were really holy. I mean, we even get that today. They have India holy men that will, uh, you know, can do, they deny themselves everything and people consider them holy because of the sacrifices that they do. But, uh, uh, and that is doing without and things like this. Some of them have supernatural powers, which are, are not, um, they're demons. But, uh, you know, Yahshua was one of those that, you know, he knew who he was. And he was quiet, quiet. He, he would speak to them. Remember when his uh, own uh, family told him that he needed to speak up and make himself known. And uh, they were all going, I think it was to the uh, Passover. It was to a celebration, one of the feasts, I believe. And he said, my time has not come yet. And, and they left to go to the feast. And everybody at the feast was looking for him. And he, he then left on his own. And see, that's a perfect example. He didn't go with his family. He went by himself. He endeavored to do that. It's just like in one of the earlier examples uh, when the Jews, when he did the feeding of the 5,000, after he got done with that, they wanted to make him king. Now, if he wasn't humble... If he was full of the flesh, he'd say, okay, I'll be your king. But see, he he wasn't. He went up to the mountain. He left by himself up in the mountain. They couldn't find him until the next day. And, and that's definitely someone that is like this. That, you know, he's, he's going to go away from that, shy away from that. But uh, Colin DeLeach described his manner of appearing as quiet, gentle and humble and the opposite of those lying teachers who exalted themselves by noisy demonstrations and uh, he doesn't seek his own he denies himself well he went to the cross you know and so there's a lot of things and we call him the suffering servant that's what he came for but yet he was beyond a suffering servant because there's that when he did go to the cross and suffer and there was that point when after the feeding of the 5,000 he went up into the uh, up into the mountain by himself to get away from the crowds because he didn't want them to do that but you see when he went into the temple and took the cords and and was whipping the money changers and all those out of there now see that that was the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. And that was a demonstration of of righteous indignation and things that he was to do. He was not going to put up with that. <clears throat> when he came to cast demons out, they obeyed. Uh, when he did miracles, they happened. And so while he was... He did not cry or lift up or cause his voice to be heard. He, he was gentle and quiet, opposite of what the teachers were, a, a marked difference. Yet, there was a, an authority that he carried with him that when he stopped, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, you can go on and on. When he was in the midst of the crowd, when he was talking, you know, and they were following him. And the woman with the issue of blood, I mean, he just... She just longed to touch the hem of his garment for crying out loud. And so we see this divinity. Uh, we see the kingship. Kingship doesn't mean, you know, to be boisterous and to say, look at me. He had a different spirit about him. 
It's just like if we get into Zechariah 9.9, when the Lord came in in the victory celebration, for instance, uh, they were all getting, getting, he was going through Jerusalem. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation. And then they say, Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. I mean, you know, in our lingo, we'd called it a donkey. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's the king of the universe. You know, he's going to die for everybody's sins. He casts out demons. He fed 5,000 with just a few loaves and fishes. He was walking on water, you know, uh, after that and reached the boat. They went across. It came immediately to the shore. I mean, here's the guy that, you know, I mean... The power he had. There was no limit. He had the fullness of the Spirit of God. Yet he comes into town riding on a donkey. (laughs) But yet, you see this same Son of God. You see him in Revelation, the first chapter, and you see a glorified Son of God. And he's not upon an ass. He's glorified. And he says, I am he who's dead, and I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. And he goes on to say, I am the Almighty. That's in the first chapter of Revelations. You know, you find in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see John again calling him the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He goes to the cross. He's spat upon. He's mocked while he's up there. He gets resurrected from the dead. He doesn't go appear to everybody that doesn't believe. He appears to those who look for him. And then you get into Revelation. Folks, the Messiah that's coming, the Son of God that's coming, Yahshua who's coming, is coming as the Almighty. He's not coming to carry a cross. He's not coming to barter with the devil. He's not coming to barter with your sins. He's not coming to kiss down to the nations of men. He is Lord of Lord and kings of kings. He's already went to the cross. He's already defeated the devil. The devil knows it. Every demon in hell knows it. They are lost. They're gone. They're going to die. And they're working their tails off to take as many people with them. See, that's what this chapter represents. Now, see, when he wrote that, it hadn't come to pass. But, see, we're, we're in the end of days. We're, we've seen all this already happen. See, the ones that were there when Yahshua showed up the first time, they saw him walk there. We've never seen him. Just like he said to Doubting Thomas, Thomas, you have believed because you've seen me and you believe. Blessed are those who believe and yet have seen. Folks, that's us. We have believed. Thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions have believed. Multitudes have believed. They've never seen him except in a vision, in a dream, miraculous, the appearance of angels. Yes, all these things happen. The Lord appears. But one day he's going to be here physically. You're going to be beside him physically. He will be there. See, that's what this chapter represents. But see, that little incident, Judah, one lifetime, 70 years in captivity because of sin. And in that little nugget of Judah lay the seeds of the Messiah that's being passed through the line of the scarlet thread of redemption. Now see, Peter, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24 says, For even hereunto were, were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. 
who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead in sins, dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's the gospel. And you see, when we get into Isaiah, he did not, he shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Humbleness. But don't let the humility, don't let the nature and the gentle at times fool you. Because he was so much more than that. And it says here in verse 3, now this is one of the best verses. If there's a verse you need to remember is this one. A bruised reed shall he not break. The smoking flax shall he not quench. And he shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Unto truth. You see, I'm a gardener. And times I have a plant. Sometimes I'm growing big plants. And if you take some of these vines that I grow, they will break in an instant. And I think of a lot of this stuff, how you have to figure out a way to keep that plant alive when part of it has been bruised. And see, life is like that, especially today. We have people that are like a bruised reed. They're alive, but they're leaking life. It's draining out of them. And see, this is the Messiah coming along and meeting the woman with the issue of blood. She was a bruised reed. She was hurt. She was trying to find help. She was dying. She couldn't find an answer. And in her desperation, she touched the hem of his garment. And suddenly the bruised reed became strong became healed, became vibrant. Life flowed in to that bruised reed. See, he won't destroy life that is dying out. He will save it. He's the savior. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. And in Isaiah, you're looking at the messianic, the prophetic here, of him looking ahead, telling you what this individual is going to be like. And it's funny because you and I, we know it from Scripture. We know it from a witness of the Spirit of God. We know it because Christ, when you come to him, he reveals himself to you. And I believe this. If you truly seek him, there is something that he has done in your life to convince you who he is. He came to save. And Kyle and Delish says he will carry the right to truth to its fullest efficacy and per permanence. He will always excel. He will always overcome. He will always take that which is dying and heal it. He can take that. Lazarus, come forth, he said. And he which was dead and been buried for several days, he was in a tomb. And when the Lord said, loose the rock, you know, get the rock out from under there, he was told, well, by now he stinks. Not, in the, not when the Lord of glory is involved, he ain't going to stink. That miracle alone was enough to antagonize the Jews. What, how do you deal with somebody who claims to be the son of God? He always called his father his father. My father does the works. And if he's your father, that makes you his son. And so they wanted to stone him for that. 
And they thought about getting rid of Lazarus. I mean, what do you do when the person you're trying to stop is raising people from the dead? Folks, I got news for you. The Lord said, greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Now that isn't past tense, that's future tense. I'm going to my Father, and you, when you believe, when you have come to me, and you're in this earth, you're walking around like I walked around, you can do greater works than what I ever did, because I'm with the Father, and I'm interceding for you. I can hear your voice, and as the Father worked in me, I will work in you, and there will be signs and wonders and miracles. You will know that you know that you know that I am he. And those that hear you will know that. Now see, Matthew, he also talks about a bruised reed. Isaiah 42.3 says a bruised reed. Matthew 12 starts out in verse 15. <coughs> now he's withdrawn here. See, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and a great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. A bruised reed shall he not break. Matthew 12.20, first part. Isaiah 42.3, first part. A bruised reed shall he not break. Matthew 12.20 And smoking flax shall he not quench. Isaiah 42.3 And the smoking flax he shall not quench. That's what we call prophecy. Isaiah is given it. He speaks it. Isaiah gave a lot of prophecies. And it's an amazing thing what he covers. And he covered so much. It's a great book. But he's been covering a lot of issues here. Now he's here talking about the Messiah, my servant. God has a lot of servants. He had a lot of servants. But you have to delineate and the context of this and what it says and who he describes can be none other than the Messiah. And people have tried to, you know, bring part of this in to various other areas. You know, one of whom was Cyrus, another is being Israel herself. And we can understand those arguments, but these arguments here do not apply to them. Only in the fact that the Messiah was there and came to Israel first. Because it was Judah in Rome, it was the priesthood. It was the Pharisees, the religious ones. There was the Sadducees. There were the lawyers. These were all Jews. They were the protectors of Israel and the Roman Empire. And they took exception to the Son of God. He went to his own and his own received him not. But there's other prophecies as to why. Because there was blindness. 
Isaiah 42 4 and he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law this servant of God is never going to fail he's never going to be discouraged he will set judgment in the earth. He will put down of his enemies. And when we look at the isles, we look at the isles, the furthest isles, the furthest most nation as well. The earth shall be filled with his glory. And the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth. He will bring right he will bring justice. He will bring truth in the earth. And of course, Kyle and DeLee speaks a part of this in here as grace at work, a preparatory grace in the Gentile world. Well, see, the Gentiles need a lot of grace. Why? Because they're a bunch of heathen. I mean, in America. I hate to tell you this, but we're a bunch of stinking heathen. We've been that way. Look at the wild, wild west. And if there hadn't have been a Messiah to change us, to deliver us and take us from our heathen state into a more presentable state that the Messiah recognizes. See, that's grace. But you see, that's where I like to bring in the Gospel of John because John brings it in so great. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He went to his own. Well, the world was created by him, and the world didn't even know him. And he went to his own. He was the creator of the universe, and they didn't even know him. He went to his own and they received him not. But to as many as did receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. See, that's the grace. That's the redemption. And that is for the whole human race, Jew and, Je and Gentile both. Romans 16:25 Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery and that's really what we're talking about which was kept secret since the world began See nobody knew about this but Paul goes on to say but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, and that's what we're looking at right here, the scripture of Isaiah the prophet, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. See, we're looking at Romans in the time of the Romans, and Paul's telling them, we're talking about the prophets, the scriptures. The very words the prophets put down. They have been made manifest now. They have been made fulfilled through the Messiah. And that's the one I'm preaching to you. And so when we look at this, it's just absolutely amazing that today, we're, we're at that point in time where we're in a time of lawlessness. We're in a time of Paul's mystery of iniquity. And it just, you look at this and the Son of God has already created the world. Noah's already been taken care of. Israel has been brought in. And they were established. 
Then they were divided. Judah was sent into captivity. Isaiah gives the judgments. He gives the prophecies. The Messiah comes. And here you and I are sitting here right now in this time period. Israel is in the land. They've come back. We're here. We're seeing a lot of things every day. People that watch scriptures and prophecy every day are writing about how close we are to the coming of the Son of Man. Again, as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And to think that Isaiah describes the Son of God to us in a prophetic way from the scriptures and what he had to fulfill. And people today are coming to the Lord like never before. You may not think so, but we do. We have our advocacy show every week for the persecuted church. We have reported on the miracles that are coming to us from our friends on the front lines. And these front lines are the toughest front lines you'll ever have anywhere. It's not like being in America or the UK or Canada. It's not like being a Christian in South America. And it certainly ain't like being a, uh, a Christian in Australia, New Zealand. And, and again, I say America. You know, none of the Western nations. You know, we're, we're seeing a direct assault on Christianity worldwide. We're seeing it in China, North Korea, everywhere you look. But yet I'm telling you today that Hindus and Muslims and Chinese and North Koreans are coming to the Lord. Miracles, signs and wonders are happening. Old Testament type miracles, apostolic miracles are happening. So we're sitting in America watching a division. We're watching judgment on this country because we've forsaken the true and living God. Our churches are not preaching what they need to preach. And to the churches, I say, you need to repent. Throw away your doctrine. Get into the Word of God. Stop trying to please men. Get them on their knees. Fast and pray. Because you're in the time. When you see the Lord God doing what He's doing, it's not time to be proud. It's time to get before the Lord and you pour your heart out and ask him to forgive you because this God is coming and when he is he will put down his enemies you're either going to be his enemy or his son his servant his child the one that he begat through his spirit One seed died at the cross of Calvary, and that was the Son of God. It was buried in the earth. Three days later, it was fruition and came alive again. And from that one seed are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of the sons of God. Some of them were already passed on into the heavens. But there's a whole bunch more. And God is saying... Are you ready? And just think, this was revealed in Isaiah, among other scriptures. We have a lot of scriptures we look at, a lot of prophets, when we talk about things like this. There's nothing in scripture that's an accident. And so today, as we close out, you know, that was a good chapter. Those are some good words. Thank God Isaiah wrote them down. Thank God the Lord gave him, gave him a lot. 
But you see, all had to happen is that little line, the scarlet thread of, of redemption. All it would have taken is to have that totally erased. But it didn't. In 70 years of judgment in Babylon, that line of the Messiah was never tarnished. And the words of Isaiah never faltered because they were given to him by the Lord God. Father, thank you for your word. Bless those that hear this word whenever they do. Encourage them. If they're sick, heal their bodies. If they're in fear, give them hope. Help them to open the door tomorrow with faith. Put in their heart to seek you. Redeem them, O God, and guide them in this perilous time we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Tower. Okay. Well, thank God for the for what happened for the Lord and for that scarlet thread of redemption that we see throughout the whole Bible. Yeah. I'm certainly thankful. I hate to think of living in this world without the Lord. We well, go know. through our tough times, but God is ever faithful. And well, he's see, always there. You know, you feel that because you've been redeemed, uh, born again. I think the Jews get a little irritated when they talk to Christians. Are you saved? Are, and we'll just, oh yeah, I'm saved. Well, no, to a Jew, no, you're not saved yet because you're still on earth. But see, in a Christian, everything is by faith. Even in Revelation, the Lord warns, take care that nobody takes your crown. God in Revelation, in these churches, he sees you with your crown. Don't let him in, take your crown. So we're saved. We just ain't fulfilled yet. You know, when the Lord comes, it'll be finished. Thank God. But see, you feel the way you do and because God's spirit is within you and he makes that hope alive. That's why you know he's there. That's right. You know, because you have somebody, the spirit of the living God in you. All Christians do. And whether people like it or not, hey, nothing we can do about it. We didn't create it. Christ did. I mean, that's... But you can you can be a son or daughter of God this afternoon, tonight, whenever. Seek his face, repent, look unto him, receive him. That's right. Amen. Best thing you ever did for yourself to do that. Yeah. And when you look at how stressful things are and how divided and screwed up and how many murders are going on and all the stuff in the world, man, you need to draw close to the Lord. Oh, that's amen. All the chaos. Because drive a person crazy without the Lord. That's right. Well, we're going to have to sign off. Okay. Thank you for joining us whenever you do. We love you. We hope the best for you in Christ Jesus. We always pray for you and for your well-being and your safety. No matter how tough the times are, Christ is there. And look up. So good night, everybody. Be safe. And don't forget to go by our websites at warn-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. Until next time, shalom, everybody. Be safe. Look unto the Lord. For our redemption draws nigh. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.